Tonight we're going to go back to our moving through the, the book of Proverbs. Uh, my hope and my prayer is that as we move through that we're not just hearing, but that in hearing we're listening. In listening, we are being changed. And that is the potential that we have in this study. That is, in fact, the promise that we have in this study, that we would gain godly wisdom, that we would hear the word of God, and that we would be changed in its hearing. The truth is we should be different and really, we should be wiser from this Sunday night effort. It is that specific. From this Sunday night effort, we should be different and we should be wiser. I was thinking about this. I think one of the marks of our day, uh, the day that we're living in, is an overall lack of wisdom in our culture, in our society, and in our world. And I think if you look at our world today, our culture today, it is marked by an overall lack of wisdom. Instead of possessing wisdom and growing in wisdom and using that wisdom, people respond. I hope I don't upset you in this, but honestly, like animals, and that's our day. I think people respond without thinking, without considering, uh, not possessing God's wisdom. Uh, whatever uh, their emotion strikes them. Uh, whatever is a fast fix for them, whatever benefits them most, that is the avenue they take. And I believe we are a culture, a society operating in the absence of godly wisdom. Now, if you think about that, that makes sense. Wisdom is gained here. Wisdom is gained through God's word. And if you're going to possess godly wisdom, that's how you're going to possess it. We are a generation that do not know the word of God. I was thinking this morning <clears throat> from our sermon, our message this morning, could you imagine, could you listen to a 20-hour sermon? Now, that's what they did. It says they were excited. They got there. He's leaving town, and they listened to a 20-hour sermon. Would you want to do that? Are you interested enough to listen for 20 hours, would you be glad? I imagine some folks are going, oh, my land's 18 hours and we're still going. Would you be interested? Would you be glad to do that? Now, I think about that 20-hour sermon. The sun comes up and he says, hey, I've got to go. That is crazy. That is crazy. A 20-hour sermon. I hear all the time of folks, now that we have our new TV systems, that binge watch 20 hours of television over two or three days in a weekend. And so you say, could you really sit there for 20 hours? Evidently, we can sit there for 20 hours. Now, I say all of that to say this. My prayer is that this effort on Sunday night is bearing fruit in your life. And that's the potential, the promise that we have in the Word of God, that we are gaining godly wisdom in this effort on Sunday night. All right, let's go to our verses Starting back tonight in verse four. Wealth adds many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friend. <clears throat> Wealth adds many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friend. Now this is a truth here for us to understand. Really not much to do with it. It's just a truth for us to understand. Here's the truth. Wealth adds many friends. Wealth, for some reason, our human nature draws people to you. Wealth buys esteem. Uh, it's the picture. We have this picture in the New Testament 
that a wealthy person comes into the assembly of the church and they have rings on, they have a great robe on, and everybody says, here, let's find a spot at the front. Hey, let's find a seat of honor. Wealth adds many friends. Now, here's the flip side of that. But a poor man is separated from his friends. Notice that word friend there is singular. But a poor man is separated from his friend. Another translation says, but even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. Another translation says, wealth makes many friends, but poverty drives them away. Now here's the truth from that. People disassociate, people withdraw from a poor person. Now I don't know why that is. Again, that's human nature. People are drawn to a rich man, but they disassociate, they withdraw from a poor person. Now, let me just tell you, you find a person and let them become destitute, let them become poor, and you watch people walk off from them. All right, moving along, verse five. Verse five is, is, is very similar to verse nine, and so I want to tie it to verse nine. We're going to pair the two verses together. Verse five and verse nine together. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who tells lies will not escape. Verse 9, a false witness will not go unpunished, identical, and he who tells lies will perish. Now, both of these verses are telling us the truth, are revealing to us the truth. Falsehood is always found out. Speaking falsehood will always be found out. And then it says it'll always bring consequences. Sometimes we think, well, nobody heard about that. Nobody found out about that. It may not be soon. It may be very soon. But falsehood will always be found out. And falsehood will always bring consequences. <clears throat> Verse 5, it says the liar will not escape. Verse 9 says the liar will perish. Now, again, we think no one knows. We think, well, hey, we pulled it off. We think time and distance will cause it to fade away. And I think we think, well, no one found out this year. And hey, it's been four or five years, and maybe it's been 10 years, and time and distance will cause it to fade away. Falsehood, a lie, will always bear fruit, and the fruit is ruination. I was thinking about that this afternoon. My pawpaw, my dad's dad, he never said a whole lot. He never said a lot to the kids, but he, he said this, and I used to think about it, about one particular person in our extended family. Uh, they've both passed away, so it's okay. But he used to get in the pickup, and he would, he would just shake his head about this person. And he, said, he used to say this, they would tell you a lie if the truth were easier. He would say that. They'd tell you a lie if the truth were easier. He'd shut the door and he'd be upset about that. The biblical truth is this. A false witness, a liar, will be found out and there will be negative consequences. All right, verse six. Many will seek the favor of a generous man and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. <clears throat> Listen to that again. 
Many will seek the favor of a generous man, and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. Verse 6 is a close companion to verse 4, if you think about that. Uh, if, you, if you think about verse 6, it makes sense. It is logical to us. But I want you to think about the wisdom of what the verse is saying. Now, you read the verse, you say, hey, that makes sense. I, I see that. I observe that. But think about the wisdom of the verse. Many people seek someone's friendship because of what they can get from them. And that's really the wisdom of this verse. That's what it's saying, isn't it? A generous person, a person with a lot of stuff, a, a person that gives gifts, many people seek their friendship. Now, we see that's true, but that's the wisdom. There are many people that seek a friendship with somebody because of what they can get from that person. That's why when there's nothing to get, the friends can't be found. Those are the verses above and below this. Be aware of that. There are many people who seek friendship with somebody simply for the reason what they can get from that person. That keeps on in verse 7. <clears throat> All the brothers of a poor man hate him. How much more do his friends abandon him? He pursues them with words, but they are gone. Let me read that again. All the brothers of a poor man hate him. How much more do his friends abandon him? He pursues them with words, but they are gone. Verse 7 really is a very sad verse. It means the family of a poor person shuns them. That's what it means. The, the family of a poor person shuns them. So if the family does that, how much more do their friends? And that's, that's the, the construct of the verse. The, the family of a, of a poor person, they're embarrassed of them. They shun them. Well, if the family will do that, how much more their friends? Now, here's the sad part. It says, he pursues them with words. All he has is words. He doesn't have wealth. All he has is words. And so he says, hey, I need your help. Hey, I, I need my family. I need my friends. We're, we're family. He pursues them with his words. And yet here's the reality. They are God. Here's what I believe. And maybe you can agree with this. If you want to see the reality of the human heart, and if you want to see the truth of greed, Watch a family deal with issues of money. And I've watched that, and I've seen that, some of it in my own family. Watch a family. You want to see the human heart. You want to see what greed does to people. Watch a family as they deal with issues of money. And there's people you thought so much of. There's people you thought, wow, they're just like me. Man, we've been playing 42 all these years. They are for me. We've had 35 Thanksgivings together. I don't remember a Christmas that they weren't there. And then you watch what happens when somebody passes away. And there's the picture of Granny that somebody wants. Watch what happens. Or there's a car, some old 84 LTD Ford. That was actually my Granny's car. 
Or there's a little bit of money somewhere. Oh, there's some money or there's a house. And all of a sudden the gloves come off and the people you thought they were like you and they were for you, they tear into each other over those superficial, meaningless things. The gloves will come off. Verse eight. (coughs) He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. Listen to that again. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. Now, verse verse 8 is like this needed reminder that keeps popping up. And I've noticed this pattern. I think God in his wisdom knows when to do it. But if you ever notice this, we're moving along through Proverbs. And there is this verse and there is that verse. And there is this verse and there is that verse. And it starts to seem repetitive. Notice we've already covered a couple subjects a couple times just today. There is this verse and there's that verse. And you start thinking, okay, we've got it. And then there's this verse and there's that verse. And then every so often God says, hey, wake up, this matters. Hey, listen up, this is a good thing. God, this is so repetitive. And he says, listen, I'm gonna put an advertisement for the Proverbs right here. This is a good thing. Here's what he says in this verse. You are blessing yourself when you acquire godly wisdom. You are blessing yourself when you acquire godly wisdom. Today there's this big movement of of finding some me time or, or, or taking some time to put an effort into yourself, to take care of yourself. You hear about that. Well, here's what God says. God says, you are blessing yourself when you're taking in God's wisdom. You want to bless yourself? You're blessing yourself when you take in the word of God. It says, he who keeps understanding will find good. It is saying, and God is saying, good things come, blessings come, peaceful situations are found, trouble and chaos are avoided when we receive and take in and keep godly wisdom. Verse 8, God breaks in and he says this, this is the best way to live. Here he's marching it out for us, another thing, another verse, another truth, and then he breaks in and he says, This is actually the best way to live. All right, we've already looked at verse nine. Now we're going to jump to verse 10. Says this, luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a slave to rule over princes. Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a slave to rule over princes is not fitting, it's a a phrase that really just means does not match, does not reconcile. And so what it is saying, for a fool, remember a fool is a person that knows the right thing but does the wrong thing, for a fool to live in luxury or a slave to rule over those that they had previously been ruled over by does not match. That's what the verse is saying. Does it add up? Does it reconcile? Now, here's what it's saying. Those people 
are motivated, are driven, not by wisdom, not by knowledge, but by their flesh, by their lust, by their desires. Maybe the slave operates wanting to settle a score with his previous owner. And so they're not operating saying, hey, this is what the wise thing is. They are driven by their lust, by their flesh. And it says this, it does not work. Let me give you an example of that. That's kind of hard to understand. Let me give you an example of that. Think about a person who comes into some money, maybe a lot of money, maybe a chunk of money, they come into some money. And you watch that person, you've watched that person, how they live, and they're trying to make ends meet. And man, they got stuff to buy and they got kids and those kids need things and they're trying to make ends meet and they're barely keeping it together and they're scratching along and they're scratching by and man, they are trying. And then their aunt leaves them $25,000. Praise the Lord, the aunt leaves them $25,000 and they show up with a new fishing boat. That's what this verse is saying. A fool, it doesn't make sense. They're not going to say, well, what would be wise? We've been starving all this time. Let's put some of this aside. We got bills to pay. Let's set it aside. Let's tithe at the church. They show up and say, we're not going to eat on Tuesday. The kids have no shoes. But boy, on Saturday, catch us at the lake. Verse 11. I think all these people are in my family, actually. Verse 11. I forgot this is on the air. (laughs) A man's discretion carries family, is what I should have said. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. Verse 11 is showing, really is revealing the benefit of using godly wisdom. A man's discretion, a man's wisdom, their being wise, here's what it says, makes him slow to anger. Now, we've seen this several times. It keeps coming up as we pass through the Proverbs. A situation arises, and this person is not quick to pounce, They're thoughtful. They weigh it out. They consider it. Their wisdom, their discretion has now borne fruit in them and they don't just pop off the handle. They don't just do something quickly. No, they are considerate and they're thoughtful and they weigh it out. And it says, and it is to his glory, it speaks to his wisdom it points to their maturity to overlook a transgression. Now, I want you to see that. They're wise, and so, hey, they're going to be careful. They're going to be slow here. But it points to the wisdom of the person. This is a wise person. It points to the maturity level of the person. This is a mature person because they are wise enough to overlook a transgression. Another translation says to overlook a wrong suffered. Sometimes it is wise to overlook a wise, a wrong suffered. 
I actually have a name for this. And the name is this. Sometimes it is best not to poke the bear. That's what I think. Sometimes, you know what, it's best not to poke the bear. You know what, that bear could be wrong. That bear is wrong. And you know what, you could be totally right. I am right, and that bear has wronged me, and it's clear, and somebody needs to poke the bear, and somebody needs to let the bear know, and I'm just that person, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to throw my wit to the side, and I'm going to go and poke the bear. You'll make your point, and it may be clear, but I've actually got a picture tonight of how that ends for you. Can we see that picture? (laughs) Sometimes it's wise not to poke the bear. Sometimes it's wise just to shut your mouth and go away. You don't have to poke the bear. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook a transgression. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that it is living and active, relevant. We're thankful that it is truth. We're thankful that it bears fruit. If we will listen and hear and take it in and apply it. We're thankful that we'll be changed even tonight. I pray that we are. I pray for the youngest kid here, for the oldest adult, for all of us in between, that we would be more like Christ tonight, shaped more in your image, walking in obedience tonight, and that we would possess and keep godly understanding for the days that are ahead. Use it for your glory. Lord, we come now, we pray for our church that you bless it, that you lead it, that you stand at the center of it. I pray that the name of Jesus is held up through it, that you're glorified in that. I pray for those tonight that are suffering, those that are sick, those that are hurting in our our church body. I pray, Lord, that they would find your grace and your comfort and your peace. And again, once again, we pray for a lost and scrambling world, a world that needs the truth of Christ. I pray, Lord, that in these events, the faithful proclaiming church We lift high your name. I pray for the folks here tonight. Bless them, encourage them as we go back to a new week. Use us for your name's sake. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.